0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. Today's question is, does Jesus really care about who I vote for? What do you say about that, Michael? Michael
0: I think we have an amazing, unique, um, historically unique unique privilege to engage in a democratic process that, quite honestly, around the world in so many countries, it's a sham. Yeah, they Um, don't have
1: it. And if they do, it's broken.
0: Totally. And uh, so when we think about this question, I think there's a pendulum swing. And so on one side of the pendulum is God has predetermined who will lead the country so we don't need to engage in it. Um, or another way maybe of thinking of this is um, government um, has no capacity to change the hearts of men or move the kingdom of God forward therefore uh, Christians have no responsibility or obligation to participate in the process that's one side of the pendulum swing, which is stay completely away. On the other side, uh, people will say a Christian government is the answer to America's problem. It's the reason why people are going to hell in a handbasket. And so mm. um, I think at this point, there, there's two different pendulums. And, and again, I think probably the best answer is going to be somewhere um, in the middle. And so I think. Uh, voting is like evangelism so in salvation um god chooses and saves and yet we bring the gospel which is the power of god for salvation and a person who says well why even evangelize because god knows who he's going to save anyways does not understand the nature of salvation Mm -hmm. um, or election or choosing or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, word you want to use and so um, oftentimes um, we um, are not living and thinking correctly because we're pendulum swinging in our ideas. And really the middle ground is often the best place to be. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, We are the church, therefore Christ's ambassadors, representatives, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we, the church, as we exist on earth, are representing Jesus and we are his ambassadors. So I have just a few principles, um, i.e. like six, um, on how we should think about this. Because as we said yesterday, great theology is nuanced, especially on social issues. Mm So um, number one is faith must, capital M, capital U, capital S, capital T, must inform our politics. This idea of the separation of church and state, which isn't even in the Constitution, um, is ridiculous Uh, i get it politically i get it in america but for the christian it is not humanly possible for me to separate my politics from my faith when jesus comes into my life he invades every part of my life every
1: single part of my life.
0: life is a pie and every section of my life is a piece jesus is the filling that fills every single piece he cannot be separated from anything especially my politics so that's number one faith must inform our politics number two um jesus changes not the government. So Jesus uses the government. The government is always a means, but never the end. It is not the actual catalyst. And so uh, many would just say, well, then don't engage in politics or government whatsoever. Um, But it just needs to be said. Uh, The government will not bring a spiritual revolution and renewal and revival to the United States of America. The church, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, will. There's a huge difference um, that Jesus working through the church is the means by which God has chosen to do that. Again, it does not mean that the government has no place in the role of God on this planet. It just means the role of, of government is not to bring revival spiritually, which brings me to point number three, government's role is to restrain by enforcing law. That is government's job as we think about the kingdom. So here's what law does law creates sinners law incites sin and law makes us want to sin more so but we need law because without law we'd have chaos and anarchy so we give law Law makes and reveals that we're sin breakers, and the government comes in and enforces that. Having a just government is a great thing because although they don't change the hearts of mankind, they restrain the hearts of mankind. And so we need to understand that the larger purpose for which God allows governments is restraint, not heart change. And restraint is very important. We see this with kids. You raise your children. We have no capacity to change their hearts, but our job is to restrain their sin and to discipline their sin um, so that they don't become their worst possible selves. And so we always need to understand the role of government as restraining, not changing. Um, But if we don't get that government has a significant role in the restraining of humanity, um, then we will just avoid it altogether. You want a solid, just government to restrain the insanity of the human nature. So number four, um, we have to pray for our leaders. Now, God does not tell us to do things that are complete waste of time or busy work, ever. Amen. Um, so if God says, pray for your leaders, pray for your government leaders— The reason he says to do that is because it actually works. And it matters. And it matters. It's significant. And so it is the opportunity, the obligation, the privilege that we have to pray for them because God's commitment to us is that as you pray for them, I will work. And we pray for their salvation. We pray for their protection. We pray for a number of different things. But um, most Christians don't like to pray for government leaders because they can't tangibly feel it or see them or they don't know them. Well, um, Paul basically makes it clear, you need to pray for Caesar. Well, they'll never meet Caesar, you know? And if they do, it might be at the end of his sword. Mm -hmm. Uh, But their commission is still to pray for him. And Who knows how much restraint or protection God may or may not put on the American people or the church because of the prayers of the saints. We don't know. But here's what I do know. Um, God tells us to do it. It's not busy work. It is always meaningful. Number five, um, beware of christian lemmings on social media michael what is a lemming a lemming yeah a lemming is we should write a book on this by the way because it comes up in every other episode Uh, a lemming is um, somebody who is just following going with the flow with the person in front of them because the masses are doing it It's, it's 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 a good thing not realizing the lemming at the front is mindless and going over a cliff to his death, right? And so we encourage Christians, don't be lemmings. Use your mind. Think. Let the Bible inform you. Just because the masses are moving in a direction does not mean it is a direction that is healthy. So I'm am, I'm amazed at people's, Christians' subconscious need to be trendy in their politics, for example. Um it is trendy and cool and hip to say um, because the government doesn't change anything, Christians should just be completely out of the government. We just need to be about building the kingdom and our little sphere of influence and sharing the gospel, and that's it. And uh, government is for more like, um, we'll say, conservative Christians who are thinking whatever. So um, that's just like one small example, right? Right. But it's totally impractical, impractical and it doesn't take into consideration that um, the government is used by God to restrain. And we have the ability to influence, even in a small way, um, the restraint of God through government in America, in our communities. Like, mm-hmm. why would we not engage that? That's ridiculous. Um, we can't control it, but we can influence it. And so it's, it, there are a number of issues and these issues especially surround social issues Um Everything from abortion to homosexuality to gender to boycotting Starbucks, etc. You're just gonna you will watch these things come up, and my concern for the lemmings is that they are taking hard public stances on liberal issues without even thinking through the issue, Mm -hmm. Um, because. Um, in the emerging culture, and let me just speak about Facebook for a moment. Um, In the emerging culture, you can say anything you want as a Christian or non-Christian if it has a liberal twist and nobody can challenge you and if they do, they're a bigot, okay? But if you take a conservative viewpoint on any of those issues, um, it's fair game for everybody else who does not agree with you to lambast you and destroy you. you. That's an awkward thing that is accepted now in the world. The spirit of the age is taking an interesting shift in that direction. And so when I see Christians do this, I'm like, whoa, have you even thought through this? Because what you're saying sounds so worldly to me. And I get that on the surface it sounds spiritual, but like when you really unpack that, that doesn't even make sense. And so there's just this subconscious pull in all of us to be trendy, everybody. But when it comes to ideas, particularly, um, whether it's ideas in philosophy, religion, theology, politics, We cannot be trendy because these are massive issues. So I just want to say, beware of them. And if you are a lemming, you don't know it. Um, So try not to be one and we'll pray for you. So number six, actually that is, yeah, number six. Vote on issues that are close to God's heart and your heart. So, wow, what a debate. Separate podcast. I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can. If you're a Democrat, you'll say the poor are close to God's heart if you're a Republican, right, you will say that freedom and small government and not enabling the poor and keeping them poor is the heart of God, right? I mean, you could go both ways mm-hmm. on this. I'm amazed when I watch intelligent Republicans and intelligent Democrats go at it, right? And then I, I think everybody just needs to ask, wasn't it the church's job to take care of the poor, not the government, right? Wasn't Wasn't that their job? And so, I think that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, I think so. Anyways, that being said, it's not as easy as Republican and Democrat always. But let's just let's just think big picture. What are the issues that are the closest to God's heart? Um, the poor, right? Mm-hmm. And if you really talk to a Republican and a Democrat, they both believe that long term their strategies are better for the poor. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, there. Now I understand that there are evil people on both sides. Totally get that, right? But let's talk about other issues. Let me tell you some things that I know that I know that I know are close to God's heart. Number one, the image of God in mankind. So, for example, in Genesis, anybody who kills another man, their life should be taken because they took what was made in the image of God. So God is so protective of humanity and our life because we are his image bearers. Um, And so here's what I want to know. God, Does the person I'm voting for... Share God's heart for the value of all humanity. Um, So I look at abortions or look at issues like abortion and euthanasia. I want to know where you stand on that because that is very near and dear to God's heart. Marriage. God made marriage. Marriage is something that um, God gets very passionate about. Um, I'll, I'll say the third issue and then I'll comment on both of them. Sexuality. So if you want to find two issues where God gets emotional It is when people mess with marriage or they mess with sexuality. Mm -hmm. In Hebrews, he says, um, fornicators and adulterers will be judged. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 4, it said that the sexually immoral uh, will be under the vengeance of God. Talking to Christians, right? Uh, God hates divorce. I mean, you get this idea mm-hmm. that whenever marriage and sexuality come up, God starts to get emotional. And we're emotional about the things that are close to our heart. Um, God is really passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, those are just a few examples. And but, but some of the questions we need to ask is, what is near and dear to the heart of God? And one of the things that people, I think, are tempted to do in voting is that we try to vote for people that we perceive as being Christian, Well, just FYI, everybody, there is a (laughs) billion-dollar industry around these presidential candidates to make you believe they are who you want them to be. And this industry is targeting you on many, many levels, and it's targeting other people so that every person who hears about this person from the medium that is communicating to them believes they are who they want them to be. Mm -hmm. Billion-dollar industry so that you believe candidate X is whatever you want him to be. So I just want to be clear. I can't always um, tell you that what I see on the surface is who they actually are. There's a whole machine around these people um, communicating, and um, but what I can say is I want to know at least what they say about their perspectives. And for example, Barack Obama in 2008 had a number of perspectives on marriage. He didn't. He's not ending his presidency with that same perspective. I can't control what the man does. But I can vote for somebody based on what they say they believe, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I did or did not vote for Barack Obama. So if you're reading into that, um, that's not my point. Um, some people really always want to know who I vote for. And just so <laughs> another podcast, another day.
1: So let me interrupt you right there, Pastor Michael. I've heard Christians say it is my responsibility as a follower of Christ to sometimes vote for the lesser of the two evils. What do you have to say about that?
0: It depends on the person. Um, it's hard. I mean, this is one of those places where your conscience has to come into play. If if you truly feel you're violating your conscience and sinning by engaging in the political process, personally, I may not agree with you. But I'm going to give you the freedom to abstain. Um, I think there are better ways. But I, I'm, I'm going to just be open on that. Okay, And... Um, there are always, in any in any circumstance, there is no candidate who is going to perfectly capture the heart of God. So now we're just talking a matter of degrees. Correct. Um, and so everyone you vote for ever, even if you had two candidates that you loved and you had to vote one or the other, they're both two people who are going to fall short of the glory of God and not enact the perfect um, set of policies. So I, I would say um, – Jesus is very sympathetic and understands that this is a fallen world. He navigates the weirdness of lesser evils all the time. And uh, I would just say that's something he understands. And so the principle of vote for the lesser of two evils is a fine principle. And it's something that we shouldn't be overly concerned about.
1: Thank you, Pastor Michael, for giving us some principles to follow as we think about our voting. Listeners, please don't forget you can submit your questions to our podcast by going to our church website, vcob.org. Just click on the link that says Q and A podcast question. Please join us next time when we answer some questions about serving. And the first question is: I don't know where to serve, but I do know I need to serve. Nothing's calling me. What do I do?